Welcome to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast. My name is Namrata Bagaria and I'm your host. My guest today is Dr. Cheryl Netterfield. Welcome, Cheryl. Hello, how are you doing today? I'm excellent. I'm super excited. This is season three and you're the first one. So it's awesome. <laughs> so Cheryl has been a person I know or a good friend of mine since a year or more. We connected via LinkedIn. She's been coming for all the meetups and we went through different iterations of this podcast as first it was just a physical meetup and we called ourselves Ottawa Health uh, Tech and then we went through another iteration called Health 4.0 Leadership Institute and she's been attending the seminars, the summits and everything. So she's a she's an early supporter and I'm grateful to have her finally as the guest. So Cheryl, can you tell us where are you in the present health ecosystem, in what capacity, and what are your top three mandates? Okay, so in the present uh, health ecosystem, I am a licensed physician. Uh, I worked for the military for over 24 years and retired uh, approximately three years ago. And my full-time interest right now is developing a digital communication platform for interdisciplinary care teams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that is what I'm working on full time now, <clears throat> using the knowledge that I brought with me from my experiences uh, leading uh, care teams with very complex patients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My, uh, my top three mandates mm -hmm. are to develop this digital healthcare platform so that it, um, meets the needs mm -hmm. of clinicians, of the patients and family that it serves, uh, but also uh, the, the system from a higher level. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that when we collect information about patients, it needs to be used in a number of different capacities. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at the project initially as a physician, but I recognized that there were more needs out there beyond what I was doing as a healthcare provider. Mm -hmm. And working, I'm working on that diligently now to ensure that I get the information from all of the different parties involved, all the stakeholders, to make it the most useful and efficient uh, platform that I can uh, to meet all of their needs, many of their needs, um, uh, concurrently, so that it's, uh, it's, it's worthy of uh, getting into as many hands as possible. Yeah. So my three mandates are, the, I guess, the three groups that I'm serving. Yeah. And those three groups, if you can quickly summarize for the listeners are? So the three would be the clinicians, all of the different care providers. Uh, I'm talking about uh, doctors, nurses, allied healthcare providers, uh, the patient and their family. And then the last uh, group that I serve are the people making the decisions, the people that are allocating the resources for healthcare. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Thank you. So Cheryl, and I know this personally through talking to you offline many times, what were your challenges what were your learnings? And if you have to summarize it in a takeaway, what would be your top three takeaways and how are you using them? So my challenges, uh, well, my challenges from the beginning of this uh, were related to my knowledge in developing a platform. Uh, I'm not, I don't have a technical background. Uh, I'm a physician. And I would say that that was probably the biggest one because I had to learn about and become educated along, along the way. Mm -hmm. And I have met a lot of amazing people uh, here in Ottawa. The, 
uh, people that I have met have been extremely supportive. There have been uh, places to become more educated, to hang out at conferences, to learn by osmosis and, and taking information in, and that has been amazing. Mm -hmm. I would say that the takeaways from my journey so far, specifically for me, is that I've been more ready to uh, see where my gaps in knowledge are. Okay. Uh, I was very used to coming into this as a physician, having the answers for most things or knowing where to get them, mm -hmm. and, and probably really quickly, but now uh, there's gaps in knowledge and, and they appear every day. Mm. I have to know where to get that information from, and that's not always apparent right away. So I need to reach out to my community, to my supporters, and ensure that I can get uh, the business advice, uh, the technological advice, the product development um, advice that I need to make this successful. I cannot do this on my own. So when you look at the top three takeaways, um, for anybody out there in the same type of position, it's know where your gaps are, uh, don't be afraid to ask for help, and keep on looking for it until you get it. Because it's out there, but you just have to keep on looking. Yeah, I agree. I so agree. And um, now typically, what I, my next question for most, uh, most of the guests is how do you envision Health 4.0? And my question to you specifically, because you have a unique perspective as a physician and now as a physician entrepreneur, how do you envision the future of healthcare? And where do you think are the current opportunities? And what, what uh, technologies or regulations or devices that you see as being very relevant in the near future? Mm -hmm. um, when I look to the future, um, I envision or I would like to see uh, our medical processes or our healthcare processes running more efficiently. Okay. There's a lot of redundancy in what we do with regards to collecting information and how we use that information. Uh, it's very hard to share that information, and there are huge uh, barriers in the way uh, of sharing that information. So when I think of the inefficiencies in the system, I think immediately of a patient that gets admitted to the hospital and is seen by a nurse at triage or a nurse in the emergency department. And I would say that uh, throughout that event from the person coming into the emergency and being admitted, they could see anywhere between three, four, five different nurses. And unfortunately, each one of these nurses takes the same information again and again and again. And I think that's a huge inefficiency. Having said that, we haven't come to the comfort level of being able to uh, minimize and streamline that, that better. Physicians waste time as well as we all do, <clears throat> and that needs to be improved upon. I think digital health can, can offer uh, a solution for that issue. Mm -hmm. uh, when I think of, um, no, I can't remember what my second point was with regards to uh, seeing the sharing of information. Uh, electronic medical records obviously are here to stay. Uh, there's many choices, but it, that's a good thing and a bad thing. It allows uh, the market to provide good competition for electronic medical devices and hopefully uh, electronic medical records and they'll get better. But the problem is they don't talk to each other and that's the way that they were specifically designed. Now, technology can overcome that, but it, it uh, involves time and money, and we don't quite get that good clarity from one set of informations to the next. So there's still gonna be gaps in healthcare, and that is what I'm trying to tackle with my platform. I don't have the solution for that, uh, and, and don't, don't uh, 
imagine that I'll have the solution to that huge big problem. But we, we have to find a better way to do that. So I, I envision efficiencies, lack of redundancies, uh, being able to have information ready available, but the right kind of information that we need and when we need it. Yeah. <clears throat> and I just, I just see a, a faster, faster ability to do things. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's very difficult to be a physician these days and work efficiently. There's too many things that get in the way uh, of our workday uh, that take a lot of time. And we don't get to spend quality time with the patient. We're spending time looking for things, looking up things, typing, dictating, uh, going to the front desk to get something. And I've never once calculated the amount of time I spend relatively doing those kind of activities, but it's not delivering patient care. It's not direct patient care. So I feel, I feel sad because we could be doing much more for our patients. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's interesting you mentioned that because if you look at the vision of 4.0, which is basically to have a person have his or her or their digital twin, which can tell you in real time and even proactively with that big vision, one of the first sources of that place is your data and definitely mm -hmm. your health record data and let alone your record data with which is shared with other providers. And I think one of the things that comes time and again is interoperability and standards for interoperability have to be the baseline to even get started with the journey of 4.0. I think EMR, uh, for our listeners who are tuning in for the first time, electronic medical records are, it comes uh, typically under a 2.0 category where you're just digitizing existing health records. So the base paper pen kind of records is health 1.0. And as you move towards 2.0, it's your telemedicine, it's your electronic medical records. And you see that in the pandemic, all these things are making a difference, your billing services. And I think what I'm, I'm feeling that I'm listening again, and I didn't, I didn't think we discussed this too much in the summit, which was the last season that we had, is exactly what would the ideal scenarios be to test out what a 4.0 service looks like like if i have to take care of my say blood pressure at home like a simple solution and i'm putting in my blood pressure readings and i have a monitor here see you can see my monitor now i'm monitoring myself a little better than before i think um first thing is getting the habit of monitoring it and then putting my data on some uh, excel and i moved on from excel i have a platform that i use and then that platform cannot be shared. So I, luckily I'm a physician by training and I have a lot of physician friends and I hired a health coach. So they have access to that, but it, my actual doctor doesn't have access. And then I got all the records from the, my doctor and I uploaded it in the system. So yes, <laughs> like just trying to work, like I'm doing a little experiment on myself. Like if I have to home care my own blood pressure, what are the challenges I'm facing? And this is just one aspect of my health. It's not all the aspects. There's so much, uh, so much work to be done to optimize a my own behavior, b the flow of the information with different providers, because the home blood pressure man management is also multidisciplinary. What I eat, how much I exercise, and there's so many people I'm talking to in the whole time, so I can see the application. And let alone when a digital twin automatically will take all these different data and then come up with solutions for me. Mm -hmm. So I think it's it's a fair point. It's not just interoperability. It's also, I guess, understanding the different pathways a user has on the journey to manage one one parameter of their health, let alone the other ones that it has. 
So we have lots of choices, but uh, which one is the best one for you as an individual? Yeah, yeah. And also, if I am taking care of myself, my question becomes, how would my insurance or my health provider know that I am doing my part and here's mm -hmm. me being less risky to you as a person in your insurance pool? It's a whole cascade of questions. And these are none of them are technology questions. So... Yeah, we. Oh, no, I think I think most of those are policy related, and we're we're now looking at healthcare from uh, old policies that have been developed, and they also need to upgrade. I think that digital health um, will change the way that a lot of these processes are done, and the insurance companies in the healthcare system don't even know how these processes are going to change yet. They're not even aware of them yet. Yeah. When you talk about um, a device that measures blood pressure, uh, sharing the medical information. I also want to add uh, sort of a, a wrench to the problem because we have, I see two main types of information that we collect. We have a lot of uh, structured information that are in the forms of numbers or discrete elements. So our, our blood pressure, our lab results. And then we have a lot of information that we collect. And as clinicians, we usually collect, collect that when we're talking to a patient. And it's our dialogue, our history, um, and a lot of this is very unstructured. <clears throat> the thing is though, every single person who has a conversation with a patient is gathering this unstructured information and not one of us share a structured language that allows us to record all this information and scribe it in a way that is gonna be able to be shared easily with everybody else. And you can multiply that by the number of different people taking this information and then multiply that by the number of different healthcare professionals, uh, licensed, unlicensed, and allied healthcare professionals that are out there, and it even mag it magnifies the problem. Yeah. So yeah. I think the unstructured data is probably the biggest one we need to tackle, and I, f I personally find that one the most fascinating. I think it's the most complex one yeah. to address. Uh, and once we, if we ever, ever get to something that's standardized that everybody would agree upon, uh, perhaps that is the future of health where everybody is speaking the same language. Um, I'm not sure how to get there because it starts at the educational level, right from when these people enter school and start learning. So that's, that's where I, 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 that's my vision of the challenge. And I find that one the most perplexing, but the most interesting one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And according to you, then, what would be the obstacles of adoption when you're designing a system like this? Uh, the obstacles to adoption sometimes are uh, the frame of mind that the people are in at the moment you're trying to introduce it. Uh, what is their background? What is their knowledge? What are they trying to do? How busy are they? There's a lot of variables that have nothing to do with what you're trying to implement, uh, but it's the unknowns that get in the way. Um, and it could be just as simple as how they're the team itself is already functioning, an interdisciplinary team, or how somebody is already functioning in their own environment, and they're nervous about change or apprehensive about change. Because once you get into the flow of things and you find something that works somewhat efficiently, uh, to change to a new model or process takes time, takes away from your current efficiency, and people uh, might be fatigued of that or exhausted. When we think of all the changes that were imposed on the healthcare system during the pandemic, we asked a lot of healthcare providers during this time frame. We asked them to take on new models of 
providing that service, uh, new methods of personal protection that had to be implemented at a higher standard. Things had to get rerouted, reordered, re-delivered in a different way, held back, delayed, rescheduled. And we asked quite a bit from the healthcare system uh, during this time frame. Some of the changes they're looking forward to because they recognize that they need them. Uh, maybe this is at the stage for things being a little bit more change friendly. I'm not sure. Oh, I hear you. I think um, the next question, which sort of is about which is the biggest driver of change, and clearly COVID-19 is one of the biggest drivers of change that we see now. But apart from COVID-19, and I don't want it to take all the glory of uh, what do you think is the motivation? Uh, I think I think there is a motivation from healthcare providers to change, and I'm only going to speak on their behalf right now because that's where I come from, is that I think for a long time we have been recognizing that we're not doing as good of a job as we could be or we should be. Uh, things get in the way, and we would like to do so much more for our patients but we're just finding that it's harder and harder every day. There's too many barriers out there and we need to become, you know, more efficient with our time again to deliver the type of service that, that we would like to do. Mm -hmm. And I feel that it, it is encapsulated with a term that I've heard a number of times and it's called moral injury. The fact that we cannot uh, give the care that we signed up to give to be the clinicians that we want to be. And uh, there are there are opportunities to give that kind of care. Typically, they would be in a salaried position or when you're working with a multidisciplinary care team. But when you're working on your own or you're working in a clinic on your own or you're working for fee-for-service, um, there are different things inherent in that system that make it a little bit more difficult from a logistic and efficiency point of view uh, to be able to get to the true uh, value of delivering the health care you know, that you've always wanted to give. Yeah. So I, I think people are more ready for a change because this is what we signed up to do and we care about the service that we provide, uh, but we're not capable of giving our best service right now. We're not doing the best that we can do. Thank you. And I know you were at the summit and typically my question would be um, around, you know, what do you think are the visions and challenges of the ecosystem in you know which we've touched upon briefly but i would like to sort of since this is season three after the summit ask this question what what did you absorb from the summit and how do you think it influenced or can influence your decisions now or what do you think are the takeaways which we can take from there and go together now like you were there for the whole summit with us yeah when when i when i think of the summit I think of the first thing that comes to mind and what I took away from that was the diversity of people who are interested in looking into, into this problem. And I was grateful for being able to meet some of them because we need to have as many different perspectives as possible to solve the healthcare delivery problems that we're living in right now. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of people very, very interested in this. Mm -hmm. I do not want to look at things only from my perspective because there's so many other wonderful ideas out there. Mm -hmm. I hope that when I offer my perspective, it twigs something in somebody else so that they look at it from a different perspective and, and, and maybe take a different path that might work 
better for them in solving the problem that they're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So I, that's, you know, I loved listening to the different types of ideas that came up, uh, the challenges, uh, the different solutions offered. And, and that's what I think of. It was just, it was fascinating to listen to so many interesting people, uh, intellectual people who want to look at this from, um, from a strategic perspective mm-hmm. and find a better way to, uh, to affect change. I think there are a couple of things that I think from what you just said and what you said before. In my takeaway from the summit, which was quite uh, a lot of takeaways, but one of these was that we are in a design problem with healthcare. It's a design problem. A lot of things. And then a majority of the innovation bottleneck is policy innovation. It's not even technology innovation because that's already like that. AI, which is ready to go, you know, it's, that's the second. And the other thing which I learned, I mean, from the other podcasts in season one and from some of the speakers and all the, also the other conversations which I keep happening is customers are ready. Consumers are ready. Like the expectation, the wait, like when I went to a hospital recently to get labs, it took me 15 minutes to wait. That's pretty good. Like usually it never happens because everything was empty. And then within an hour or less than that, I got my labs, everything done and I was back home. And even like things like I attend all my, um, so I'm in a weight management program. I attend all my sessions online now and I just go to curbside, pick up my, uh, my Optifast and uh, it's so convenient, (laughs) you know, and if they tell me to go back to the old system and this is 2.0, it's not 4.0. if they tell me to go back to the old system that I have to go in person every, every once in a week and sit there, attend the sessions. Well, I see the merit, but like now when I'm attending sessions, I can also listen and do something else. And so for me, it was working. So I think with, as a design problem and consumer readiness, I think there's a lot of pressure or I don't know if people are perceiving it, but there's a lot of policy pressure to do the right things now. And this is the moment, like if we don't do it now, we don't know. I, I agree. It's, it's going to take a long time. Um, I've worked for a big organization, the military, and now I'm working for myself. And I can see the benefit of working in a large organization to be able to have the resources and move things forward. But I also appreciate being nimble enough as an entrepreneur to be able to follow my vision and the leads that I get from the people who I want to provide these services to. Um, things move slow in large organizations. How do we solve that problem by allowing everybody to have their say and all the stakeholders to have their say to come up with a solution that fits everybody's needs? And, and I think it's very difficult and that's where the policy comes in. Um, it's almost like the policies have to be not rewritten, but just new ones have to be developed completely because the old policies I don't think can, can even be changed anymore to meet the needs. They actually have to come up with just completely new ones. Um, We need, we need brave people who are willing enough to look at, you know, to look at a new model completely and start making these adaptations because I think the end goal is the same. We all want, uh, better delivered healthcare for everybody. And there's lots of different ways to get there, but we need to be smart on how we do it. 
Yeah, because because today better is also faster it's also real time mm-hmm. and if our food and other services are delivered like you know the expectations are different mm-hmm. the generations which are aging are different and 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 we cannot so while i appreciate the system that we have which ensures most people have the access as much as possible it also comes with the barriers of how fast and especially given a disease like covid that we saw we needed a lot of things which are secondary toward the nature of the canadian society per se even as human beings you know mm-hmm. like the topic of privacy for contact tracing the topic of wearing a mask enforcing policies changing literally how we work how we eat how we sleep how we go to school right and so now we cannot say hey you know what i don't want to talk about social determinants or technology or by the way my neighbor or am i responsible and a lot of accountability so for me i see this is a cusp of turn and i don't and it's not going to be overnight for sure because at the policy level things have to be gone through but i just hope through our podcast and through all the events that we do and through the startup that you have we can create the wave and find a policy maker who can surf that wave with the people you know we are the wave generators that's what i can think of i i do think that there's a lot of supporters out there that are demanding change yeah. i'm glad that they're outside of the healthcare ecosystem because the voices need to be strong from from outside the system also mm-hmm. um i see my role here as a physician uh once busier practicing clinically but not as much anymore to do my best to find ways to support the clinicians who are who are practicing right now to make it the easiest for them to make them love their job enjoy their job and feel satisfied with the great care that they're delivering mm-hmm. and that will just have amazing spin-offs on the patient and their family um you know to make it feel wonderful for everybody and motivate everybody and inspire everybody that we have a great system that works for everybody and uh i'm a patient too we you know we all experience the other side of that and uh it it needs to be driven from both ends actually definitely top down definitely bottom up yep yep and so shadow we are almost towards the end of the podcast today <laughs> and uh usually i ask all my speakers to give a little bit of shout out to their social media coordinates or to something some message or about your company so this is your time take it <laughs> so you would like me to share um, a little more about information about what i'm doing for my yeah. company okay my company's name is palm health and it's like the apple palm the french apple palm the phrase palm stands for patient outcome management and measurement and what this communication platform does is allows all of the different healthcare providers along with the patient and the family uh, to enter information uh, on the patient in a structured format so that this entire team can collaboratively come up with one single care plan uh, not a bunch of separate ones designed by a number of different healthcare providers but one one uh, cohesive one what it rapidly can do is uh, identify prioritize and triage a patient's functional issues the template that the this team fills out is patient centric it's designed to meet the goals and the needs of the patient depending upon their their clinical environment and that is to me the most exciting part is making it uh, 
centric for the patient so that the team can provide the best care um, that is needed for that time. Not every patient uh, reacts the same way to treatment. So we need to start looking more into patients as individuals and meet those needs right from the beginning. And uh, data is gonna be gathered that's gonna be useful to everybody, including the patient, the family, the healthcare providers, and, and the payers that, uh, that feed this uh, system from a financial perspective. So lots of needs to meet with this. So I'm, I'm, I'm up for the challenge and working on it diligently. Awesome. And I have been, I'm providing the link for her LinkedIn bio um, in, the, in the podcast link. So if you want to reach out to Cheryl, you can click on the link in the details of the podcast. And if you want to give a shout out to Health 4.0 Leadership Institute, we are on Twitter at Health40Leader1. And uh, my name is Namrata Bagaria. And thank you so much, Dr. Sheridan Edelfi. Thank you very much, Nam. You're listening to Health 4.0 Leadership Podcast with your host, Namrata Bagaria.